welcome back, Literary Slummers, to a spooky episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm the ghost of Anna. (gasps) (laughs) Uh, This week on Shelf Aware, we are reading the second book in this uh, haunted house unit that Em has brought to the table. And we are reading, sorry, (laughs) forgot the name of the book. (laughs) We are reading and talking about, we have already read, we will now be discussing The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, Mm -hmm. which is a book that always pops up on lists of like best haunted house stories, spookiest stories ever. Um, And I mean, I know it's not like the most classic of this type of novel we could have read, but I was tired of, we, we did Robinson Crusoe. I'm tired of reading 18th century novels and I'm tired of reading novels written by men. So Shirley Jackson, it is. (laughs) What did, uh, what did you think M of this more classic? I really liked it. I thought it was quite spooky. It didn't like scare me necessarily, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it was spooky. That's how I felt, yeah. And I liked the style of it. I haven't read much Shirley Jackson. I've read The Lottery, like everybody has to read yeah. in you know high school mm-hmm. and whatever. But aside from that, this this was not a uh, author I'd really ever had any reason to want to read because I you know wasn't big into horror. Uh, I also really liked it because it is suit and whether this was Jackson's intention or not, this is how I read it. It was super fucking gay. I so. also thought that. I was like, hmm, <laughs> I see you, Theo. Hundred <laughs> percent living with your friend, your friend, Bohemian and then like lifestyle. Uh huh. And then Eleanor's like, "Oh, are you married?" And Theo's like. No, of course I'm not married. Like I'm like, oh, because she's a lesbian. Yeah, Got yeah. it. Like this, it was very coded. I felt. Yeah, I just couldn't tell if she and Eleanor were also in love or if they hated each other. Yes, hundred percent. They were in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also I enjoyed this. I didn't think I did at first. I finished the book and I was like dumb. But then like I thought about it and <laughs> sat with it for a while and I was like mm, maybe not so dumb. <laughs> I liked it immediately. I thought that there there were a couple lines that like really like got to me and I was like, ooh, spooky, mm-hmm. you know? I I really enjoyed the narrative. I and I as as we do frequently texted about this before the recording, was like some parts of the dialogue, I was like, oh, where are we? <laughs> Why is this happening? I super liked the dialogue, mm-hmm. but I understand what you're saying. It was and I good. think the reason I think the reason I liked it is because it's very circuitous dialogue, which is how I talk. <laughs> so it was like it was like they had to say 18 things to get to the one thing they were trying to say. So I was like, yes, of course, this makes sense to me because that's how I think and talk. Like, <laughs> mm. Yeah, I I guess there it was very abrupt to me because there were some points in the book where all of a sudden they'd be doing a bit and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh hold on. <laughs> Is everyone on board with this? Are we being earnest? Are we all laughing? Or is someone being made fun of? And then yeah. there was that whole conversation they have with Mrs. Dudley, the housekeeper, where she's like just talking and everyone is just having their own conversation over her. And I was just yeah. very confused. But I think that's all part of this like really unsettling book. I think that happens again with Eleanor later in the book where she's talking and she's freaked out and everybody else kind of just continues the conversation and like 
ignores what she's saying essentially, but she just keeps talking. Yes. Um. So yeah, I definitely think that is a, a stylistic choice that uh, Jackson's making, but it, it can be a little jarring, I suppose. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I have mush brain. <laughs> so I guess- Speaking of uh, not prepared. Yeah, not um, prepared. <laughs> we were both a little bit lax in our preparation for this episode. Oopsie. But um, I am supposed to talk a little bit about the genre as a whole. So I'll do my best. I did this about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I think I think we're gonna get we're gonna hit the highlights. It'll be fine. Um, I could talk about horror in general, but that's dumb because we all know what's scary. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's debated a lot, but you know, everyone has different things they're scared of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes horror is used to talk about things that as a society are scary but they don't want to be super blatant about it or it could be used as like a learning opportunity or how to scare young women into behaving whatever i think more (laughs) uh specific to this book and this genre as a whole though are the are gothic novels um because i we're talking about haunted houses the houses are more the character than the people Mm. in the books are I think. So I focused on that. The term gothic originally came from a particular style of architecture, like medieval architecture, which as far as I can tell, are the type of like churches and shit that are just really tall and pointy and they have lots of stained glass and arches. (laughs) But I can understand how if they were a little bit dilapidated would be spooky as hell. (laughs) So the, the first gothic book or the book that everyone considers to be the first is um, The Castle of Otranto by Horace Walpole, which was a combination of medieval dark romance and what they considered the modern novel in the 18th century. Um, Mm. And it was a really popular book. And during the second run, he just tacked on the subtitle, A Gothic Story. And then there's your genre, I guess. Um, I'm sure there's a much more in-depth explanation, but that's how it seemed to me. So... A lot of these books basically have to do with some sort of eerie type of architecture, like a castle or an old church or a creepy Victorian home or even like, um, shoot, the Moors. That's what I was going to think of the word. But, you know, like these places that are old, decrepit, they're falling apart and they seem to have their own personality. And usually that personality is just like super overbearing. (laughs) I've always personally defined it as just the books where the building is the main character and also it's spooky. Um, But I guess I never really thought of gothic novels as horror novels, but it makes Mm. sense that they are. I just, in my mind before, had never put the two of them together. So maybe I do, maybe I have liked horror novels in the past. I just, very particular niche (laughs) horror for me personally. Um. And there's always a lot of, there's a, this creeping, oppressive dread, and usually gets depicted in the weather a lot, like, hmm, it's raining, and we can't go outside because it's so foggy, whatever. Um, and there's a lot of rumination on how characters are reacting to their surroundings, so especially, like, in this book, we see, like, Eleanor's kind of almost becoming friends with the house, and she sees herself in the house, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that, like, ooh, amazed that's kind of like how i can't figure out how i feel that sort of thing uh and lots of emotions and philosophy which 
I feel like I personally do not care for in other genres, but works for me in this one, to be honest. So your mileage may vary uh, depending on how much you like to talk about feelings, I suppose. Uh, And I guess there's just some interesting archetypes that seem, well, not interesting, but like typical archetypes that seem to be present in a lot of gothic novels, including the one we read, which is the virginal maiden. The There's like an older foolish woman who I think was the Mrs. Montague of this book. Yeah. We just have to talk about her because she was very weird to me. Um, Obviously a hero. And then what I think is kind of most important is like a clergy member or a that kind of like authority figure who was often portrayed as either evil or extremely ineffective and their ways of thinking are outdated or whatever. Um, And then aside from characters, like events that happen in the book. So a big one is like night journeys where the characters are often found wandering night, having an adventure, getting lost in the woods, having to run from Mm. something, going down dark hallways and trying to figure out what that noise was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I, this has been around for the genre itself has been around for a long time. There's lots of different variations on the genre. There's, you know, the, the first Gothic novels, and then we have like Russian Gothic novels and English Gothic novels, Southern Gothic, which is probably a subgenre of American Gothic and then post-millennial Gothic or horror. I don't know. Lots of different versions of it, but basically all kind of amounts to the same thing, just in different places. I I I didn't, you know, do I I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot more difference between each of the ones. But for me as someone who has read a lot in each of the little tidbits, that's kind of how it all ends up to me. I don't know. <laughs> Inter- yeah, cuz I definitely really haven't read many gothic novels mm-hmm. in general. I think that like really my only experience with gothic novels aside from this novel, and I guess if we're counting Jade Green, I don't know, do we count Jade Green as like a gothic novel, do you think, or is it just kind of a haunted house like is is there a difference i i think we could but it's more kind of like i don't know the ghost is she's not well is she part of the house i don't know not really the house itself is weird though because there's yeah. no green in the house right right so i guess maybe and i mean there's that like oppressive feeling is a thing mm-hmm. and it definitely fits like the archetypes that you're talking about yeah it's just that's kind of like haunted house gothic slash just ghost story maybe yeah Mm -hmm. the only really other like gothic-esque novel i've read or have you know interacted with is uh northinger abbey by austin which is of course like a parody of gothic novels Mm -hmm. which i haven't read but i really want to yeah and the movie adaptation i really like too it's it's pretty good in terms of like it's kind of a horror film but not really Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i I don't really have much experience with it, but I I can see what you're saying about, like, the archetypes in this book and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess we've talked a little bit about what it is, what the genre is, and then we talked a little bit about how we felt about the book. Who would you recommend this one mm. to? I would say if you're a horror movie fan, like, psychological horror or, like, uh more like uh high art type horror like where it's all very metaphorical and stuff like this might be more for you versus like if you're more into like slasher horror Mm -hmm. because obviously this is this is not slasher at all um for that maybe check out the ruins another horror book we've read in the past which oh my god it was was more up that alley (laughs) 
gory. Yeah, which I also really like that book. But yeah, I think I think if you are more of a horror as high art type uh, person, this might be up your alley. What about you? Um, yeah, I feel the same. I think I would have to like give content warnings, I guess, for this one. Mm-hmm. We do really delve into the mind of uh I don't she be, she becomes just like a very she becomes very troubled by the end of the book and there yeah. is this is a very big spoiler there is um she just I don't know can I she just commits suicide at the end like I feel like weird saying that at the top of the episode but there it is that's how it ends so um you know, that might be a heavy topic for some people to want to sit and read. It's it's only 180-some pages, so you're not with these characters for very long. But because of the nature of the book, like, you really get to know, get into that mindset. And it's a very unsettling journey to take. Um, but if those things might – if those things are not an issue for you – what happened to my headphones? There we go. <laughs> Sorry. They just started making a noise. Um, if those types of things aren't – as big of an issue for you, then I would definitely, I mean, this it's short. I think a lot of people would enjoy it, especially this time of year, like September Mm -hmm. through mid November, you know, because after that you start getting into sweet Christmas romances. You don't want to, after after that, you got to start reading Christmas shoes. Am I right? No, (laughs) a horror in and of itself. (laughs) But yeah, it is one that gets all up in the emotions. So if you're not if you're not here for that aspect of it, I'd probably steer clear of this one because, like Em said, it's not a lot of it's not a lot of there's it's not a, it's a book, so there's no jump scares, but it's not something that tries. I don't know, there to were a couple s- things that kind of got me as as like a jump scare would mm, the hand like, holding. Uh huh. Mm-hmm, uh huh. Mm-hmm. That was the scariest <laughs> part of the book for me. <laughs> so creepy. So. Now that I've spoiled the end, yeah, yeah, <laughs> should we talk about the rest of the book? <laughs> I suppose. Um, What's even the point? <laughs> <laughs> so this is another one of those books that's like this. The summary of it, I didn't do a lot of preparation because the the plot of the book is essentially Eleanor goes to the haunted house. Eleanor is scared by the haunted house. Eleanor leaves the haunted house and dies. Um, hmm. the journey of the book is kind of watching her become corrupted by its influence. Um, so sorry if this one is a little bit disjointed, but that's also how the book is written. So I don't feel super bad. <laughs> um, the story starts off. Dr. Montague is a, he has a PhD in something. I, it can't ghosts. be ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Surely ghosts. I don't know. It's the 50s, right? It's a different time. Yeah, yeah. Everyone could get a PhD if you were a white man in the 1950s. But it- <laughs> I mean, that is like a, a thing, at least in like early medical science, not PhDs necessarily, but medical science is just like, there. it's not like a accreditation board, you know? So it's like, People were kind of just making up medical schools, you know? So maybe it was like that, but with PhDs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I just opened the book. It was a doctor of philosophy. He took he had taken his degree in anthropology. Right. So it's anthropology. PhD Less in interesting anthropology, than ghosts. but focusing on ghosts. <laughs> on ghosts. That's actually probably a thing because, like, not, like, ghosts as in, oh, I want to study ghosts, but, like, studying, like, culture's reactions to, mm. like, 
like ghost yeah, mythology yeah. essentially how people react to death yeah i'm sure that someone that's their area yeah. of expertise like you know posthumous anthropology yeah <laughs> he so dr montague wants to assemble a crack team of assistants to help him live in this haunted house for three months Everyone, i don't know what his plan was i don't either he clearly didn't have one because later in the book his wife shows up and she's like so where's all your research and he's like uh, we've been i've just been taking notes <laughs> they wrote in their diaries i don't know <laughs> essentially dr montague's uh preparation for uh this book he's writing on ghosts is the same level of preparation i do every week for this podcast yes. where i'm like well i highlighted three things do we have phds we have PhDs. <laughs> Should we ask I'm my husband who does have a PhD say, if we've I'm done the work to earn one? To your husband and just piss him off. I mean, it, we've all, we've been doing this for three years, and that's basically yeah. like that's the a little it. over half the time it takes, or it took yeah. him to get his PhD. We definitely have a master's. Yeah, at sure. least we have we at least have an MA in whatever this is that we do. <laughs> talking about books um maybe by the 200th episode we will have our phds Mm -hmm. we'll let you know (laughs) then i will i will refuse to answer anything other than dr anna so (laughs) he has written dr montague's method of finding these students is that he looked up everyone who said that they had experienced something paranormal he eliminated the ones that were dead and then he eliminated the ones that he thought were obviously faked, which, like, how do you determine that? I wanted to see that rubric. Um, and then he sent, he ended up sending letters out to 12 people and was like, hey, do you want to have a slumber party in this haunted house with me? I guess I can pay you. And of those 12 people, only two of them responded. Eleanor, who is our main character that we follow, she's a little bit of a sad sack. I feel bad saying that, but she's just a – she – kind of got roped into caring for her ailing mother for all of her adult life and Mm -hmm. doesn't really have a job or any worldly experiences whatsoever. So she's a little bit naive. She hates her sister who she has to rely on for money and a home. Um, And she's kind of seeing this as a way to escape her old life and start over and become something new. And then we have a ghost hunter. Yes. (laughs) Just what every girl dreams of. (laughs) And then we have Theo who is a lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) no i really i really liked theo i thought she i wish we were following her because she seemed like such an interesting person like she theo is vivacious would be the way to describe theo i feel yeah very she already had a personality so the house couldn't imprint a new one on her yeah Yeah, her fatal flaw was just already being (laughs) too cool being a fully formed human yes (laughs) Um, and they, they're the assistants and then they also have to have, um, a representative from the family who owns the home and that's Luke. And he's just, who is super bisexual, by the way, he just gives off big bi vibes. I, I thought he, I was like, do I ship it with Dr. Montague? <laughs> is that- I, I feel like I was shipping everybody with everybody Wait, in this much. book. Like everyone with the house. Yeah. They just all need to, like, live in the house. It just and... needed to be a fuck house, not a haunted house. <laughs> the haunting of fuck house. <laughs> it's like the, the, like, shitty porn version of the Netflix series or whatever. Yeah. 
Oh, Dr. Montague, I'm so afraid of the ghosts. Can I come bunk with you? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they all they are all there yeah, Luke is basically he's, I think he's just a trust fund baby he doesn't seem to have any job whatsoever and he's very excited to someday inherit this creepy ass house his job is like stealing money from his aunt's purse oh yeah that's right I forgot they mentioned <laughs> Luke is his aunt is like he better not steal any of the silverware while he's at the house and the book's like Luke wasn't gonna steal the silverware his theft was limited to like stealing shit from her purse and I'm like oh okay then <laughs> I had no idea how old Luke was supposed to be either. I don't either. I was imagining like frat boy, to be honest. Yeah. Very early 20s. Only just barely an adult. Um, And Eleanor is like in her 30s, but she lies and says she's older than she is. She's like, I'm 34. But really, she's like, I don't know why I lied and said I was two years older than I was. (laughs) Eleanor, you got some stuff going on. It's like she's trying to make herself more interesting, but she doesn't know what things are interesting. Interesting is (laughs) thirty-four is a much more interesting number than thirty-two, I suppose. Thirty-four is an intriguing number. Thirty-two is so bland and boring. (laughs) I like how the numbers three and four follow each other in numerical sequence. Three and two, which is reverse numerical, just disgusting. Awful! I hate it. I can't wait to be 34 for real. (laughs) Things will really turn around then. I know we're dunking on Eleanor a lot, but I really related to her as a person. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Like, she, this is the first paragraph about her. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this book was just like blocks of text, but this is how she's described. Eleanor Vance was 32 years old when she came to Hill House. The only person in the world she genuinely hated, now that her mother was dead, was her sister. She disliked her brother-in-law and her five-year-old niece, and she had no friends. She could not remember ever being truly happy in her adult life. It was difficult for her to talk, even casually, to another person without self-consciousness and an awkward inability to find words. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, that's me. Such a sad (laughs) sad. Um, Eleanor, of course, is like the first person to show up at the house, and she has this run-in with the gate after she steals her car. Oh yeah, first of all, she steals her <laughs> her car. It's half hers. Like this was written in 1959, so things might not be exactly the same as they are today. But like, isn't there a, a <laughs> documentation to show who owns the car? I I feel like it was kind of one of those situations where it would be like. Kind of like if you bought a car with, like, a boyfriend or girlfriend now, and it's like, well, it's in someone's name, I guess, but we both own it. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, you got to get that paperwork, like, you yeah. know? It, yeah, if your name's not on it, like, even if you're, you're still stealing it in the eyes of somebody. Yeah, I feel like probably her sister was like, oh, yeah, you chip in half the money and we'll buy the car. Sucker. And then, like, Eleanor <laughs> doesn't understand anything about anything, so she would, like, have no follow-up to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, essentially. So she steals this car, which is like, it's parked in a garage that is separate from where her sister lives, it sounded like. Like, it was parked in a parking garage. So she went and stole it. She drove to Hill House, had like this weird ephemeral sort of road trip (laughs) montage. I don't know. With the cup of stars and the lions outside of the house and whatever. There's a lot of symbolism which works in the book, but is very boring to describe. Exactly, yeah. She gets to the house. She has a weird run-in with the gatekeeper, Mr. Dudley, who 
just he was on kind of a power trip um because he was the gatekeeper and also because he knew the house was so spooky so i don't know he and his wife mrs dudley are the only two people that will agree to work in this house and they do not stay after it starts to get dark and Eleanor, she gets to the house. She immediately hates it. She's like, this is spooky as shit. I can already tell this place is haunted, but I also have nowhere else to go. And I stole a car. So I guess I'm stuck here for the time being. And I really like the description of the house as kind of just like being wrong. Because I feel like like I know of houses like that. Mm-hmm. Like this was the thing with the ruins, right? Where I was like, it was scary, but like. It doesn't seem that scary to me because I'm never going to go to a jungle and like encounter this situation. And go, you know? and certainly if I do, I'm not going to go off the beaten path. Right. <laughs> Whereas like with this, like I live in an area of my town where like all of the houses are from the 60s and they're all in this very like faux Victorian style. Like a lot of mm. them where they have all of these like turrets and towers and stuff like that. And I can think of like, there is a house that is down the end of this one street that like it freaks me out a little bit to walk by it because it just like it feels weird. And I don't believe in like ghosts and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's just like this sort of thing that they kind of explain with this house where they're like, oh, the guy who built it kind of wanted it to become like a tourist attraction sort of thing Mm -hmm. and built the angles wrong. So like they're not the right angles that you expect. They're like slightly off. Uh So I'm sure it's like something like that, but like you can sense like, okay, this house like doesn't feel right. There's something uncanny about Mm -hmm. it. So I really liked like the way they just set up this house because I'm like, yeah, I bet there are a lot of houses like that, right? Where it's like, it just, it doesn't feel, look quite right you know yeah well yeah and then you always have these thoughts which the book talks about too like that house is so old what is what is it seen what is it what have people done in it you know how many how many people have fucked it in what weird ways yeah yeah (laughs) but it's like the the line from this book where they're talking about like the history of the house and they're like well yeah of course people died here because like people have like this house has been around for 80 years like and people have to die somewhere right especially like at this time where it's like now I feel like that's not as much the case where not as many people die in their own homes like people die more in hospitals or like hospice and whatever but like especially in the 50s like yeah for the most part people were dying in their homes so if like you had a house that was older like someone had probably died in it at some point you know yeah very true and unsettling to think about Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so Eleanor goes into the house we meet Mrs. Dudley who is a character that I think is probably like supposed to be some sort of comedic relief but just comes off as very weird and chilling to me as a modern reader (laughs) she's very robotic she only says the same like set phrases um Mm -hmm. And they're mostly centered around what time people will be eating, what time she'll be cleaning up what they eat, and the fact that no one can hear them if they scream in the night. (laughs) (laughs) But my thing about Mrs. Dudley is there is like this weird... So it's 1959, but it's 1959 Mm -hmm. in America. So there's like Mm -hmm. this weird class thing going on, which I don't know if... I don't know if it was also like a race thing because no one's race or anything is ever mentioned. Like we hardly get any descriptions of any. I think Dr. Montague is one of the only people we know what they actually look like in the book. Yeah. Um, But she, 
they're just so mean to her. <laughs> like they they mock her to her face. It was very weird. I feel like part of it is kind of like so it's what you kind of said with the she's so robotic and whatever and it's kind of creepy and off-putting where they use humor as a coping mechanism so often in this book like because the, like I'm thinking of that scene after the one really bad night they have where they all get up and they're like oh it was fine and are like kind of all laughing about it mm-hmm. so I feel like maybe it's that like they're like freaked out by Mrs. Dudley so they're just trying to be like we're gonna mock her in order to make it not as scary mm-hmm. right but or maybe they're just assholes yeah. I don't know I'm not quite sure I think there could be something to what you're saying about it just being a classist thing yeah um hard to say it was very I don't know it was just very strange to me because there's that scene so she gives Eleanor the whole speech when Eleanor gets mm-hmm. there and then Theo is the second person to show up and Eleanor and Theo are immediately best friends like there's no getting to know you phase they just are friends immediately in a way that I have never experienced in my life and I'm totally like socially terrified to have that experience with someone (laughs) you don't know a person you can't be best friends with them immediately well I mean I guess Eleanor technically could on the basis that she has no friends and therefore Theo by default would be her best friend as true, soon as they true. became friends. Like, when you she's have, best of when the list of one. Is zero. <laughs> right. And it right. increases to one. She's she's her best friend and also her worst friend. <laughs> you know it also very true in this book, as we see later on. Yeah. <laughs> um But yeah, so Mrs. Dudley gives Eleanor the whole spiel, and then she leads Theo to her room. And she gives Theo the exact same spiel, and she's, like, talking to Theo's face, but Eleanor and Theo are talking to each other about something completely different while this woman is, like, just trying to explain what time dinner will be. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe this scene is, like, I, I can't remember reading it, like, if it's mentioned specifically, like, maybe if I was filming this, and I know there is a Netflix version of this but it doesn't but it's like super different yeah yeah yeah. yeah. and there's also like a couple movies but i haven't seen either of the movies but like if i was filming this maybe i would have it as like mrs dudley is kind of walking around and like bloviating and lecturing as she's like pointing stuff out Mm -hmm. and the two of them are like whispering kind of behind her back you know versus just like the three of them standing in a triangle and all saying stuff over each other yeah 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 i don't i don't quite know how it's arranged in the book but i feel like it's probably closer to the triangle thing than the like i don't know yeah it's very weird (laughs) (laughs) um and then and then luke and dr montague show up and they all form this kinship that eleanor is like "Ooh, i really feel like i belong here with these people and it's all going really great as a group, they kind of acknowledge that the house is creepy. There's weird things already going on. Like the doors always slam shut after you open them. It's almost impossible to find your way through the house. Even like the doctor uh, like had to memorize a floor paint plan of the house. And even then they kind of like end up places they're not sure. Um, so they kind of already go in with this thinking like the house is alive. The house is something that is enacting its will upon us. Um. And Eleanor makes a comment like, oh, the house is like waiting to do something. Like it's biding its time, waiting till we're comfortable and then it will strike. So they have a pretty like normal first night other than the house is just like kind of spooky ooky. Um, 
but then like as the nights progress, stranger things start happening. So I think the first night, the second night, I guess, sorry, the second night, the first night of scary things, um, is already go away. It's your house. I know my house it's is haunted also by alive. a dog scratching at the door. <laughs> uh, Eleanor and Theodora are in their little wing of the upstairs and a something is out in the hallways like rat something's out in the hallways rattling the doors and <laughs> knocking on things and making a huge ruckus uh but luke and the doctor don't hear that and then they're kind of like tricked to go outside by following what they think is a dog or something and so they're outside wandering um and they feel like the house is trying to divide them so they make a pact to always stay together and nobody go off on their own um, and then another night there is a, I'm trying to think how that, the handholding scene starts. I think it's, it's after, um, Theo's, the whole thing. It, it's a little bit later in the book because it's after the writing on the wall with the chalk and then the writing on the wall with the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then Theo moves in with Eleanor. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, so there, there's a little bit where people start to think that Eleanor is the one making these things happen because the something, something or someone is writing on the walls like "Help us, Eleanor!" or what is the message? It's like it's it's like Eleanor, come home, go home, come, uh, Eleanor, help, come home, or something like that. Yes, it's it's those three. It's her name. It's a, a request for help. And it's something about home. Come home or stay home or you stay are home, home. Go it, home. Be home. 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 <laughs> become home. <laughs> All is home. Um. And so after that happens, this book kind of takes a turn where Eleanor perceives everyone as kind of exclu- seeing her as an outsider, kind of excluding her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. And she thinks. The others think she's the one doing all of this now. And she has a ton of hostility towards Theo. It just completely flips. And I think this was like first brought up in that first instance with the chalk writing saying that where like Theo, like the situation becomes like Eleanor is starting to panic and Theo blames her for it in order to make her mad so that she won't panic. Mm-hmm. And like Eleanor in her head is like, oh, she's not actually like, it's like this weird, like triple psychology thing going on. It's really, where, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, okay, Eleanor's panicking. Theo blames Eleanor. And at first it's like, oh, she's doing that in order to get me to be angry so that I won't be panicked. And then she's like, no, she's doing that for real. But she's making it seem like she's doing it in order to get me to be angry, in order to not be panicked, because she wants the men to, like, not trust me. Yes. But, like, it seems like probably Theo was actually doing it in order to, like, get her to not panic, because that's how everybody else perceives it. Mm -hmm. But, like, Eleanor's like, no, she's doing it like she's against me for real, you know? Yes. This book is, like, the definition of unreliable narrator. You really have to read between the lines on what is actually happening and kind of just decide for yourself what is yeah. really happening. And I mean, it leaves, it leaves stuff super open, open-ended, open-ended mm-hmm. um, to re- as regards to like 
is is this house anything right like because they they offer plenty of explanations for like all the creepy stuff they're like yeah the doors like i mentioned earlier like the guy who built it uh wanted the house to be kind of a spectacle in the manner of um the what's that house they mention it in the book the house down in shoot the the creepy manor the guy that made the, the guns his wife and she built the house because winchester yes winchester, winchester manor uh, <laughs> uh remember the episode of buzzfeed unsolved <laughs> the two episodes i guess i should say yeah the winchester manor like he wanted it to be like that where it's like an off-putting house so he built like the angles are wrong so things aren't where you think they're gonna be and the stairs are like slightly like sloped floor, so it's yeah. like everything and the doors are uneven so that that might be why they're staying open and whatever so there is a possibility that none of this is supernatural mm-hmm. um and there's also the possibility because so everyone had like paranormal experiences in the past and eleanor's were uh, related to poltergeist activity so it could genuinely be that Eleanor is like having a reawakening of that and she is a poltergeist right. causing all these things to happen or she's like summoning a- I don't know how poltergeists work exactly um I think that's like a poltergeist is like a malevolent I'm gonna say this and it's gonna be so wrong but like a poltergeist is like a malevolent spirit but then there's like a theory that poltergeists who can like move stuff and- but there's like a theory that poltergeists are related to like actually like children having like some sort of manifestation telekinetic manifestation yeah Yeah. exactly um so there's like that theory or as another option as we find out in this book the the history of this book is this guy built the house uh he eventually passed it to his daughters who like fought over it but the elder eventually got it and she moved in there with her companion also lesbians (laughs) <laughs> very gay um and then she died in kind of mysterious circumstances and then companion got the house and then the companion ended up hanging herself because of like the legal struggle with the other sister led to the town ostracizing her or the house made her do it so there's also the possibility that like the ghost of the companion is haunting because that's kind of implied a couple times mm-hmm. that the companion ghost is like around and doing shit um so it's super unclear as to what is actually happening with this house which i hate when that's the case in horror movies but i think it works in horror books because you can't really have a reveal because there's not a visual element exactly exactly and because we're we are so like close third person with eleanor Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter yeah end of the day Mm -hmm. it's just eleanor is just descending into houseness like she's She's becoming the house. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's one instance where a chalk message is written on the wall that's like, Eleanor, you're our only hope. Come home, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then another instance where the same or a similar type of message is written in what appears to be blood. And then blood is also splashed all over Theo's belongings and her room and ruins all her clothes and whatever. So Theo and Eleanor have to end up sharing a room. Now, it's interesting because you said that the message was like, Eleanor come home you're our only hope help like whereas i read it differently Mm. and i think both are i think it's like left intentionally vague like everything else in this book because the idea of eleanor help home like could also be read as like eleanor needs help she needs to go home which is what like ultimately which is the 
the conclusion that they arrive at at the end of the book, right? Like she needs to get out of the house. This isn't good for her, right? Mm-hmm. So you could also read it as the companion. The companion ghost is the one, which is kind of how I read it. The ghost is a real ghost. The house is also a real like thing that is corrupting. Mm-hmm. The ghost, the companion was corrupted by the house, which led to her killing herself, and now that ghost is trying to kind of Jade Green as yeah. trying to get Eleanor Green out guy. of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the ghost <laughs> Jade is- Green was written after this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, I think you could also read it as, like, the house being like, Eleanor, help. You need to stay here. Come Mm -hmm. home with us, you know? So it could go either way, which is also fun and spooky. I like like the house trying to entice her, like, make her feel like Mm -hmm. she needs to stay here. Um, Yeah. But I also, I I do like the idea, because I had not thought about the companion being an active participant in all of this until you brought it up. Um. So I like I like that interpretation too. But like there's like ten different Yeah, you could go a lot of different ways with it because it is intentionally vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like really well done. It could also be Eleanor did actually just have like a break a psychotic break and wrote it on the wall, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just the things that she's concerned about at the moment that she needs help and she needs a home, right? Yeah, she has nowhere to go. She's stolen her sister's car. She's lying to the people here at the fact that she has an apartment and she lies about the things that she put inside of it. And she lies that she's 34. Yeah. Is her name even Eleanor? We don't know. So one night when Eleanor and Theo are in their room together, there is something outside their door that's like whispering and talking. And she and Theo are grasping hands very tightly in the dark between their two beds. And then I can't remember the exact details, but it kind of like the the haunting reaches its crescendo and Eleanor kind of like makes a noise or startles or something. And Theo wakes up and Eleanor realizes she was never holding Theo's hand. She's like, oh, it's like that scary story where like. Yeah, with the dog dog licking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Y'all know. Y'all know that awful, awful, scary story everybody used to tell at campfires. And it's really the murderer who already killed the dog. Extremely sad. Dog death is never good. When is that horror movie coming out? (laughs) (laughs) Never, I hope. It's too scary. (laughs) And also too short. So after a bunch of this stuff happening and this core group kind of forming this insular bubble of safeness amongst themselves and they've already got their group dynamics, whatever, Dr. Montague's wife comes to visit because she is going to help with the haunting research. I don't think she has any qualifications other than this is a hobby for her. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But she comes with the headmaster of a school (laughs) named arthur who drove her here because she cannot drive and (laughs) and she kind of represents or she's like um yeah i guess represent she's like representing the spiritualism part of paranormalness you know she's not she doesn't have a ouija board but she's got like the planchette thing which is Mm-hmm. I guess you string a pencil up at one end and then everyone grabs the piece of paper and moves it back and forth so that the pencil makes words. I don't know. That seems much more difficult than just having a Ouija board. But Well, but that seems like it would be more uh, harder That's to true. naysay than a Ouija that board. Right? Because in a Ouija board, it's easy to manipulate that if you're at a sleepover with your friends and you're all mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. freak each other out. Like, 
one of y'all bitches is going to move stuff to creepy stuff on the board. Like, come on. (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) But, like, it would be a lot harder to write stuff with a pencil without, like, everyone else noticing that that is what you're doing. And Mrs. Montague is the most annoying woman. Yes. (laughs) She kind of just, like, charges in and she's like, um, I... Going, I'm going to use planchette. They only they call it like planchette. It's it's, it's its name instead of like yeah planchette. Uh, and she kind of comes off as if she's the expert, and everyone else is like idiots, and they haven't. Which I mean, they haven't been doing anything other than hanging out and getting scared. <laughs> but she just I, just, I know it was supposed to be kind of like this funny break in the story of like here comes normalcy again. Um, and it's still there. It's still present, kind of like reminding the characters there's a world out there, whatever. But I see, it worked the opposite for me because I thought that like she was going to get straight murdered. I was I like, oh, here be. comes the ghost death. There's but no it death in this book, way. though, until the end. Well, yeah, until the end. <laughs> so <laughs> Mrs. Montague is there. Arthur is there. He's patrolling the halls and they both complain about how there's no paranormal activity. Like, while paranormal activity is happening to the other ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, everybody else is experiencing, like, the knocking and stuff, and they're all, like, huddled in the dark, and the next morning, Miss Montague is like, oh, nothing at all happened, and everyone's like, fuck off. (laughs) I'm going to go talk to that Mrs. Dudley. They're great (laughs) friends. They're both weird old ladies. Um, And then kind of the climax of the book is that Eleanor either has a total mental break or becomes possessed by the house, however you want to read it, and is running through the house or feels like she's flying or transporting herself through the house very quickly. She runs and she, like, wakes up everybody in the house. <laughs> you're, about to, you're about to look over to your other side, like your door is on your one side. You're about to look over to the other side and see Artie has been sitting next to you this oh whole time. What's God. at the door? No. <laughs> But who was Door? Who was Door the whole time? Door was murderer. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Let this recording be evidence to my murder. Because I will definitely have time to save it and export it and upload it for you. Um, (laughs) And I'm not going to, me sitting here on Skype, I'm not going to do anything while you get murdered. No, even though the video is on and you totally could. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So she runs around the house. She knocks on everyone's door and she's like, hoo-hoo, they'll be so scared. They won't know it's me because they'll be, they're will be they all locked in their rooms and they won't come out, those scaredy cats. But everyone does come out. <laughs> and she she runs to the library, which is a place like earlier she refused to go in because of bad juju. I don't know. Because it was the place where the companion hung herself. Yeah. Yeah. But she like, before she knew that, she didn't want to go in the room at all. And yeah. then in this part of the book... She says, I can't go in there because mother told me not to. There's something here about her mom and not going to the library. Yeah, there's a whole thing, like, which, again, it could be that Eleanor's manifesting all of this stuff because there's, like, this whole thing in the backstory, that Eleanor's backstory that gets revealed that while she was caring for her mother, her mother needed medication and started knocking on the wall to get her attention. And she either didn't hear it or woke up and decided to ignore it. (laughs) And then her mom died because of that. Probably the latter, let's be honest. Probably the latter. (laughs) And she like acknowledges that 
her mom was like gonna die soon anyway but like she feels like this guilt about her mother's death and whatever so like there is something here about like maybe it's all just Eleanor's guilt manifesting in poltergeist spookiness or just completely non-supernatural her she, doing shit she, you yeah know? she's been let out in the let out loose in the world for the first time and this is and she does not know how to behave yeah, this is just what happened <laughs> um so <laughs> she runs all through the house she runs up into this library tower and she's out on the roof she's walked up this thin stairway and she's hanging out on the roof and they all they're like Eleanor what are you doing and she's just like I'm out here then <laughs> out here they're all like hey don't do anything drastic just stay up there don't move and Luke goes up there and he fetches her down he's really pissed off about it because he had to be brave and he didn't want to do it and the next morning everyone's like Eleanor you gotta go home <laughs> so they had agreed at the very beginning of this stay they were like if the house starts to affect any of us in a really drastic manner then that person has to leave and they all agreed on they're like yes 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 so now that it's eleanor's time to leave she does not want to she is convinced that the house wants her to stay she has nowhere to go and everyone's like no <laughs> Luke is even like you are no longer a welcome guest here, madam. And I I really felt like this was leading to them all like like that she was going to convince them and she does not. No, yeah. <laughs> it She's goes totally a very defeated. different way. Logic prevails. They force her into her car and they say bye-bye, bon voyage. Don't come back. Don't look back at any of us. You have to leave the same way that you came here. You must forget about us and the house and everything that has happened here. And Theo is like, who, by the way, I feel we need to mention that Eleanor previously was like, I'm going to come live with you to Theo because they're in love. And Theo was like, everybody is like being kind of harsh to Eleanor. But it's very like to me, it was very clear that they were being harsh because they're like, you need to go. This is dangerous. for you." Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. They were being caring friends, I felt. And Theo was like, Please don't actually forget about me. Like, remember me when it's safe for you to remember me. And please write to me. Like, I still want to be friends. You know, Mm -hmm. Theo was so fucking cool. I love Theo. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like she like Eleanor portrays her as a villain in her in her head. But um, really, she's just trying to look out for this naive woman who's never done anything in her life before. Yeah. So, yeah, Eleanor's just been feeling this growing hostility towards Theo where she's and enter the group as a whole because she's like, okay, now they see me as an outsider and they all think I'm weird. And that's why they're trying to get rid of me because they just want to be happy together, the three of them and having their fun summer vacation at the haunted house and whatever. In the fuck house. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is just like some real, real world drama. (laughs) Kicking her out of the house. They get her in her car. And she starts to drive away. And then she doesn't. She says, I got a plan. And she just steps on the gas pedal. And her last thought is kind of like, why? When she says, she thinks, she thinks like, oh, I'm finally, I'm choosing to do something. I'm free. And then she's like, but why aren't they stopping me? And so you're kind (laughs) of like, are these, is this actually something that she's in control of? And is this what she's doing? But she slams the car and she runs the car into a tree at a very high speed and she dies and it, god this is so fucking spooky it was mm-hmm. like the build-up to this was so good yes because it's so like this so dramatic such high emotions here and like 
you can just feel like Eleanor's panic. Yeah. It was a lot. And she runs the car into the tree and it's like the same place where another previous owner or tenant or something had died. So there's this question of like, did she mean to do that? Or was something influencing her to go through with that? And the book is ending. That's it. Yeah, there's like one last little chapter where it's like the wrap up and very, very short, very briefly where everybody else basically goes home and it ends with um, within its walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House and whatever walked there walked alone. Fucking creepy, man. This was so creepy. Was, I yeah. loved this book. Yeah. It was really good. This was, like, this was good. I guess kind of moving forward as to what I would like to see in a future book. Yeah. More of the same, probably. Should we just this read was... another Shirley Jackson book? <laughs> I mean, maybe. It was pretty good. Like, I, I, I'm trying to think of stuff to improve upon, and I don't know if there really is anything. Well, you know what? Um, We're just... Spoiler alert. I'm just going to make you read Rebecca. <laughs> Honestly, maybe it's time. It is. Tonight I dreamed of Manderley. <laughs> is that the quote? I'm going to feel really embarrassed if I got it wrong. Last night I dreamt I went to Manderley again. Oh, you want to do another take? Just cut it all. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Leaving it all in. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fake Rebecca fan. Fake fan. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Don't tell Daphne. <laughs> I guess kind of moving from this book, because uh, I really don't have any. I mean, I know that doesn't. Maybe you are literally just going to make me read Rebecca, which that's fine. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was I, then, it really dependent on whether or not you like this one, because I had okay. like some more modern, like interesting choices i could have gone that way i was also thinking about making you read mexican gothic because i just finished that recently and it really applies to this but nah we're just throwing it all out all right good to know (laughs) (laughs) so there won't be any surprises when that's announced guys in two Uh, weeks act like you've never heard this (laughs) um okay but let's talk about what we have been reading that we might recommend that's a hard one. I've already talked about Mexican Gothic, and that's like, I finished that. It took me a long time to read that because it was so creepy. I could mm-hmm. only read like a few pages of it at a time. But I've already talked about that. Um, and I haven't read anything else. <laughs> uh, we're going we're gonna to read the book that I always recommend in this genre that I've already recommended when we did Jake <laughs> So, um, I've been playing a lot of Phasmophobia. <laughs> <laughs> and that game is very spooky. What have you been reading, Em? Um, I've got a couple recommendations. Uh, first, just quickly, both of them are Halloween appropriate since this episode is going up like two days before Halloween. I happy think. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween, y'all. Uh, one of them is a web comic called The Wolfman of Wolvershire, which is a kind of mystery gothic sort of comic set in a sort of fantasy modern world where it's like 
kind of Victorian, but also they have like modern tech, but there's like Hmm. dukes and stuff like that. And there's also elves and orcs and things running around. So it's got a lot going on, but um, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. I'm not all caught up on it yet. So maybe it's going to be terrible and it's not finished, but um, it's a fun kind of vaguely spooky read for this time of year. Awesome. And another kind of vaguely spooky book, which was one of my like on the top of my, uh, excited about this release for 2020 list um and i finally read it uh it came out pretty recently i think but i wanted to save it for this month because i felt it would be appropriate Mm -hmm. is um cemetery boys by aiden thomas which is yeah it's a ya book about a young um trans bruhex who is like he his family is all these like uh, brujos and brujas who like it's a highly gendered system and he wants to prove that he can be a brujo so he like goes through the ceremony to uh become one without like his family's knowledge and then um like the way it works in this system is like the men their ta- their like magical tasks are like finding ghosts and releasing them to the afterlife and the women all do like healing and stuff right mm-hmm. so he's like trying to prove that he can, you know, do all of this stuff. And he summons this ghost boy who is involved in this mystery. Interesting. And they're trying to figure out what happened. And also there's kissing and it's beautiful. Very. Yes. So it's like low key spooky, fun, spooky. If you don't like actually being spooked for this time of year. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite kind of Halloween. Yeah, exactly. I think that like, I like both. I like high-intensity horror, and I like sweet, spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is definitely more of the, like, sweet, spooky stuff, but I thought it was, like, a really cool magic system and, like, super interesting, um, like, storyline, and I also just really, really love the couple. They were so Aww. precious. I'll have to add that one higher on my list to read then. Super recommend it. It was great. I don't – I feel bad. I didn't recommend a book. That's but okay. You don't always have to recommend Can I talk books. what about can I talk about a book I'm excited to read cuz it comes out? Yeah, go weeks? for it. I don't know. Go for it. It doesn't have anything to do with the genre. I was just thinking That's about fine. it cuz I wanted to see if it came out yet. It hasn't. It comes out in a couple of weeks, November 17th. Uh These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong, which is basically Oh yeah. Yes, a Romeo and Juliet retelling set in 1920s Shanghai. Yeah, because we were looking at that back when we were doing um the the like retold yes. play sort of thing, but A it didn't fit and B it wasn't out yet. Yes. Um, and I follow Chloe Gong on Twitter now, where I hadn't before, and she's so hyped for this release. I'm so hyped for this release. It's going to be very good. I hope it's going to be good. I haven't read it yet. It hasn't come out. That's true, you know, but I feel like that is a good, like, I don't know, something about, like, that sort of vibe is very, like, this maybe doesn't make sense, but, like, 1920s vibe feels fall to me, right? Like, does that does that make sense? Does that track, like... Depends on the book, I suppose. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like it's, like, I don't know, kind of like the speakeasies and, mm. like, Prohibition-era sort of idea. Like, the, the like... Yeah, I guess I think... Of, I, I always think of, like, the Diviners. That's that's a spooky time of year book. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily spooky that I'm associating with it, but you know general. how we've talked before about, like, how we read certain yeah, books at certain times Yeah, I like historical fiction in the fall. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense to me but fall and winter yeah yeah 
I can get on board with that. Cool. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about what we're doing next. Next week, we will be back with another Morph Monday with Animorphs number 27. Yes. Yes. Um, the week after that, we're going to be wrapping up Anna's unit on parallel novels. Huzzah. Oh, i got to think of another unit now. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends. It never ends. I we really have to keep coming hate up with books stuff. that take place in the 1920s in Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> totally hate them. Let's read it. So I was also very ill-prepared today. Uh, and we did a very good job for this episode. <laughs> we did a very good job for this episode. Professional but- podcasters. PhDs in this. PhDs. I think I found one that hopefully will work for what Anna's interests are. Um, And it is a book by Michael Kurland called The Infernal Device, a Professor Moriarty novel. Yes, I picked correctly. (laughs) Yes. So as the title suggests, it is a retelling of some... I'm not exactly sure if it's like multiple uh, 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 home stories or if it's just like completely new stuff, but it's a retelling of Holmes stuff, Holmes genre things from uh, Moriarty's point of view. That will be two weeks from now. Oh my God. I am like, one of my favorite genre of books is like Sherlock Holmes retellings, but like where Sherlock Holmes is not the main character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Enola Holmes, I think Netflix sat down and they're like, you know, Anna's been really sad about this whole COVID thing. Like, what could we do? What could we do? Let's make her the perfect movie. And they're like, okay, we made Enola Holmes. And that was just for you, Anna. <laughs> it's like, you know, that tweet that Netflix put out when the first Christmas Prince movie came out and they're like, someone has watched Christmas Prince every day since it's been released. And are you okay? I feel like that's me with Enola Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you a shameful secret? What? I haven't watched Enola Holmes Oh my yet. god, Em. <laughs> you must. It's so It's on my list. Precious. It's on my list. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to send us any uh, submissions, either for just a book, maybe for a unit that we've already covered, or if you'd like to send us a whole unit, like some of our very useful, not useful, that sounds terrible. <laughs> some of our very generous and kind <laughs> listeners. I did not mean to say useful. That's terrible. <laughs> Some of our listeners who have worth to Some us. of you. <laughs> we clearly care for some of you more than we care for the others. <laughs> That's not true. We love all of you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's mush brain. It's real. It's real and it's COVID's fault. And Artie keeps scratching at the door. It's my goddamn mind. <laughs> Dog is not giving up. It's been an hour and 15 minutes we've been recording. He's not given up that entire time. No one has come to his aid. In the meantime, as my dog scratches upon the door, if you would like to send us a book that you think we would love or that we would hate, a whole unit you think we would love or hate, feel free to email us, shelfawarecast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at shelfawarecast. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, the otherwise we will use all of our authority as PhDs 
to dunk on you. <laughs> I also do want to give a shout out to um one of our listeners who emailed us. Uh, I'm not going to say the name in case they don't want to, because they didn't suggest a specific unit, but they did suggest that we watch um, Janelle Monae's uh, Dirty Computer and huge fan of Janelle Monae. So uh, if you haven't seen Dirty Computer and you're interested in um, uh, cyberpunk, this listener very kindly suggested that you will, or that we watch it, and I will pass that recommendation on to all of you. Mm-hmm. Also, I've been like super getting into K-pop. That's <laughs> not related. I know, <laughs> but if... also everybody stand blocking. <laughs> <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five star review. But if you have not ever used that, because I know I haven't. It's okay. Do you talk about us anywhere on the internet you may like? You may wish, you desire. The words have stopped. I you know, it was all of this like it's fine. It's no fine. preparation. I used all of my words during the episode to sound coherent and now I'm done. I don't have any like there was no refractory period for me to rebuild my vocabulary. <laughs> done talking. Now it's your turn again. That's how conversations go. <laughs> You just Wait, declare what? when you're done. <laughs> In the words of Shirley Jackson, You are a very silly baby, Eleanor, she told herself, as she did every morning. Same. <laughs> We're all Eleanor. Very silly baby. Every morning she wakes up and she says... It's like her affirmation. <laughs> you are beautiful. You are kind. You are a very silly baby, Eleanor. <laughs> what did uh what did you think, M, of this more classic? Do we want to do we want to do what did you think or do we want to do history first? Oh, I don't know. I was just kind of going with what felt right. <laughs> okay. Um 